Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let Him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. He can refresh you in the desert where your sin left you lost on the brink. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Him, dear sinner, and drink. water of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty come to him will you drink deeply of Jesus will you come to the water of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty been lost in the wilderness, chasing nothing but sin and death. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Jesus and live. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in the way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there. Nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there. 
but only the redeemed will walk there. The ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing, and everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Isaiah 35 The Joy of the Redeemed Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I have much to share with you today. Some of great joy and others just frankly pure tear. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that as I share the word that you have given me, that it will accomplish its task. Thank you, Jesus. I ask you to bless each person who has who has come to listen. Thank you, my Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Beginning in Isaiah 36 is the story, partial story, of King Hezekiah. He was an honorable king. He established in Israel the highway of holiness. He taught the people to return to the Lord. He spent his time and energy restoring the things of God. In the midst of all of this, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, attacked all of the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. It looked like absolute, utter defeat. The king of Assyria sent his field commander with a large army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. When the commander stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool, the palace administrator and secretary went out to meet him. This is what was said. Remember, all of the outlying fortified cities have been captured. It looks as though Israel or looks as though Judah will be utterly destroyed. This is what the great king of Assyria says. Chapter 36. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have strategy and military strength, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending? That rebel against me? Look now, you're depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff which pierces a man's hand and wounds it if he leans on it, such as Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who depend on him. And if you say to me, we are depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one who commanded me 
to destroy the high places and altars? Come now, make make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. Now, listen to this deal. It's a, it's a devil deal. It's a devil deal. I'll give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. How then can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's officials, even though you are depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Furthermore, I've come to attack and destroy this land. Have I done so without the Lord? The Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. Well, who's his Lord? The devil. Well, the the officers that have come from Hezekiah call to them and say, please speak to your servants in Aramaic since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people on the wall. But the commander replied, was it only to your master and you that my master sent me to say these things and not to the men sitting on the wall? who, like you, will have to eat their own filth and drink their own urine. Then the commander stood. He called out to all the Hebrews, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says the Lord will deliver us. That we will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. Now here's more on the devil deal he's offering. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then every one of you will eat from his own vine his own fig tree, he'll drink water from his own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own. A land of grain, new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Do not let Hezekiah mislead you when he says, the Lord will deliver us. Oh, I tell you, my brother, my sister, we're going to hear that same story again as government officials come and say, look, we're going to transplant you to a very pleasant place. We want you to live in a wonderful community. And you will be very much at home there. There will be food to eat. We're going to take care of you. No, it's the devil. It's the devil. Well, the people remained absolutely silent because the king, Hezekiah, had told them, do not answer these men. Be silent before them. The Lord God of heaven will deliver us. When King Hezekiah heard what these field commanders had said, He tore his clothes. 
He knew it was now trouble. Jerusalem could not stand against this this king of Assyria. He put on sackcloth, that is, old clothes. He dusted his head. He went into the temple of the Lord. And he said to Elakim, the palace administrator, and the others, they also were wearing sackcloth. They went to the prophet Isaiah. They told him, this is what Hezekiah says. This day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace. As when children come to the point of birth and when there's no strength to deliver them. Now, remember, these were godly people. These were people who had made a covenant to obey the word of the Lord, and they were doing so. They did not have the military defense. They had put all of their trust in the Lord God Almighty. That sounds strange today, doesn't it? To put all of your strength, all of your trust in the Lord. I've done that. I'm doing it right now. I'm in trouble. But my confidence is in Jesus. And I want you to see as I move along what happened and what I'm afraid of, not only for myself, but for the church. may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the field commander whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to ridicule the living God and that he will rebuke him for the words that the Lord God has heard. Therefore, Isaiah, pray for the remnant that still survives. When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of what you heard. These words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Listen, I am going to put a spirit in him so that when he hears a certain report, he will return to his own country, and there I will have him cut down with the sword. When the field commander heard that the king of Assyria had left Lachish, he withdrew and found the king fighting against Libna. When Sennacherib received a report, that the king of Egypt was marching out against him to fight against him, he sent messengers to Hezekiah with these words. Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says Jerusalem will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the king's 
of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my forefathers deliver them, the gods of Goshen and so on? This is the king of This is the king of the great nation of Assyria. Hezekiah received the letter with them and the messengers read it to him. He went up to the temple of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. O Lord, Almighty, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God. Even over all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib has sent. To insult the living God. It is true, O Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste all these peoples and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them. But they were not gods, but only wood and stone, fashioned by human hands. Now, O Lord, our God, Deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms on earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. Then Isaiah sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, This is the word the Lord has spoken against him. I want you to note, had Hezekiah not cried out to the Lord, what follows would not have happened. When we cry out to the Lord, he hears us. And some of you have a desperate need right now to cry out to the Lord about your situation I have that need, and I am crying out to God about it. My wife, Twyla, is crying out to God over the situation that faces us with my injury. We are crying out to God, asking him to repair the bones of my right hip to restore us. Something happens when a man or woman will humble their hearts and begin to just cry out before God. I mean, cry out before God with weeping. God hears. There's a whole portion here. I'm not going to read it. It's powerful. But I want you to notice what happens next. This kind of thing can only happen when a man of God, a woman of God, 
walking on the highway of holiness, cries out to the Lord. If you need Jesus today to restore your marriage, to restore your health, to save your wife, to save your husband, if you need God to step into your life in a magnificent way and restore and change, then you're going to have to be in the same spiritual condition that Hezekiah was in. He was clean, highway of holiness. He had repented of all known sin. He'd made restitution. He had done everything he knew to be clean before Almighty God. Now you cry out to God, and things happen. Sometimes terrifying things happen. This is Isaiah 37, verse 36. Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, they were all just dead bodies. Whoa, 185 men were killed by one angel in one night because the king had scorned the God of heaven and threatened his emissaries. And God said, okay, that's enough. I'm done here. They got up the next morning. I don't know, maybe the cooks got up. Servants of the of the soldiers got up. They were just dead bodies lying on their mats. It was over. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. And he returned to Nineveh and stayed there. Ooh, the king of Assyria has run from the God of heaven. One day while he was worshiping in the temple of his God, two of his sons cut him down with swords. They killed him. And he was finished. That's it. Finished. In those days, the heyday, God has slain the entire army. What do you think the, the kings of other nations are saying? They're saying, oh, oh don't attack. Don't attack Jerusalem or you may lose your whole army as they sleep at night. This God is, don't make him angry. He's powerful. Don't play with him. Oh, they knew the stories of deliverance through the Red Sea and the destruction of 
the economy of Egypt. Egypt had never recovered. Now, in the midst of all of this, Hezekiah, probably early 50s, he became ill. And he was at the point of death. I'm sure he had a a raging temperature. He had a boil. And the poison was going through his system. And everything he tried failed. The prophet Isaiah goes to the palace and finds him in the bed. And he says, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order. Because you're going to die. You're not going to recover. Oh, what a blow to Hezekiah. He'd spent his whole life serving God, calling calling Judah to serve the living God of heaven. He'd been faithful before God. He was a, a righteous king such as they had not had perhaps since King David. And now he gets the news at the very height of his life that God is calling him home. He's going to die. Hezekiah feels this is unfair, and so he turns his face to the wall. He's in misery. He has a high temperature. He's He begins to pray to the Lord. He says, remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, The God of your father, David, says, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. I will make the shadow cast by the sun Go back ten steps. It has gone down on the stairway. So when the sunlight went back the ten steps. Makes my heart hurt. How did Hezekiah use those last 15 years of his life. How did he use those last 15 years? Well, the kings of the nations heard about this and the emissaries began to show up in Jerusalem, bringing the recovered Hezekiah, wonderful gifts of gold and silver and gems. They made him very, very wealthy. He was now a very powerful king because if you brought your army, 
into the city of Jerusalem. You would not leave with that army. It would be dead on arrival. So there was great fear of Judah. But what happened that causes such grief to my heart is that Hezekiah became very proud. And during those 15 years, he turned away from following the Lord. And with him, the whole nation of Judah returned to its wickedness. And then Babylon, probably at that point, the most powerful nation in the world. They sent Hezekiah letters and a gift because he the powerful king had heard of his illness and his recovery. Hezekiah received his envoys gladly and showed them everything that was in his storehouse. The silver, the gold, the spices, the fine oils, the entire armory, everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. He is the man. He's powerful. He doesn't need to hide what he has. God will take care of him. But God has withdrawn from him. Isaiah the prophet, much older now, goes to King Hezekiah. And he asked, what did those men say and where'd they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah replied. They came to see me. They came to see me from Babylon. Look at me, I'm somebody. Well, what did they see in your palace? They saw everything. I showed them everything. There's nothing among my treasures that I didn't show them. Isaiah, brokenhearted, said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all your fathers have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Daniel may have been one of them. Now, this is the reason I've shared this story with you. This is Isaiah 39, verse 8. The word of the Lord 
you have spoken is good. Hezekiah replied, for he thought, there will be peace and security in my lifetime. What? Hezekiah has no care for his descendants, has no care for the outcome of his city and his nation. He only cares about Hezekiah. What happened to the righteous man, Hezekiah? He, in 15 years, has totally changed. And during those 15 years, he has raised a son who will be the next king after him. who will, according to Scripture, be the most wicked king Judah ever had. And will, many historians say, put Isaiah in a log and saw it in half and cause the blood to run and the screams to be heard. He will murder Isaiah. And he will fill Jerusalem with wickedness, and he will fill Jerusalem with bloodshed until it will be said he is the most wicked king of all of the history of Judah. This is Hezekiah's son. I wish God had not given him those 15 years. But who am I? I'm nobody. But I'll tell you what I'm crying out to God about. I'm crying out to God about what if God were to heal me? What if God were to heal you? What if God were to hear the cry of your heart and he would answer you? He would do what you ask him to do. Would your heart fill with pride? Would you say, oh, I'm somebody. Look what God has done for me. And what if that resulted in your having some level of notoriety, some level of of fame. Would you become proud? Would you give God the credit? Or would you take it for yourself and become somebody? The ugly ugly picture of pride and arrogance is so daunting, so terrifying. What if we followed that way of pride and destroyed our family, destroyed our nation? 
Oh, my brother, my sister. The next chapter in Isaiah Verse 3, a voice of one crying in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. What highway? The highway of holiness that I shared with you at the very beginning of this broadcast. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain shall be made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Prophesying about John the Baptist. But let me tell you something. He's talking about more than John the Baptist. He's speaking about a great move of God at the last hour of earth's history where there will be voices crying out, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Jesus is coming again. And the way will be prepared. And Jesus, in all of his glory, is going to come. Quickly changes from this passage to verse 6. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of our Lord God stands forever. Oh, my brother, my sister. We serve a great God. We serve a God of mighty power. He is our Redeemer God. But don't play with him. He is also a God who in one night can go out and slay 185,000 soldiers. The elite soldiers. They're like grass before him. When he blows on them, they're dead. We're all like grass before God. All power, honor, and glory belong unto Jesus. Do you have any reason that you need to come to this mighty God of heaven and cry out to him? Hezekiah had no interest in crying out to God for his nation, for his children. Do you have any interest in crying out for your children and your grandchildren? Have you just let them go their own way 
walk into wickedness, fill their hearts and minds with darkness. How do we cry out to God about that? I'm crying out to God about my grandchildren. I'm crying out to God about my family. I'm crying out to God about the the people that I know that I minister to on this radio. I'm crying out for you. If there is no crying out to God, there will be no answer. And if there's no answer, we will die in our sin. Do you understand? Crying out to God for revival. I'm crying out to God for revival, for your revival. I don't want the prophet of God to come to me and say, your life is over. You're going to die. I'm not ready to die, but neither am I ready to have 15 years of life added to me to simply turn away and walk in wickedness and not serve the Lord God Almighty with every ounce of energy I have. I'm not going to go the way of Hezekiah. I am ashamed of Hezekiah. He was such a magnificent king. He did such good for the kingdom of God. And then in 15 years, he undid everything good that he had accomplished. I don't want to live like that. I've been crying out to God about that. I've been saying, Lord, I know you're going to heal me, but don't don't heal me, please. If I'm going to waste the last years of my life undoing the legacy of this ministry, undoing the holiness and righteousness that I've taught on this broadcast. I want you to cry out to God for your family, for your mom, your dad, your, your uncle, your aunt. Cry out to God, but not in worldliness, not in casualness. Well, I'm not going to just talk about it. I'm going to do it. Lord. Lord Jesus, I come to you like Hezekiah did. And I say, Almighty God, I need you to come and save me. I need you to come and heal my broken body. You are the great God of heaven and earth. You are the Savior. You are the one who died on Calvary for our sins. You are the one who raised up on the third day and ascended into the heavens. Jesus, I need you now. I cry aloud for you, Jesus, for my brokenness. But Lord, I also say, don't heal me of this brokenness. If you know I'm going to leave you and go the way of darkness in the last years of my life. 
Lord, I want your name to be honored and lifted up before all men. Not to make me notable, but to make me nobody and to make you everything. To glorify your name, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You are my Redeemer and my Savior. And I put all of my confidence in you now. I look to you, Jesus. I praise you and honor your name. For you have been faithful to me all of these years. You have carried me in your arms. You've provided for me. But now I'm broken and cast down. And I need your redemption. And I'm trusting you, Jesus. Now, Lord, there are many like me who've also been broken, broken in spirit, broken in body, broken in finances. Oh, Lord, I pray for them right now. In the midst of their suffering, I ask, would you come and restore them in the name of Jesus Christ, not unto pride and arrogance, but under humility and service to you, Jesus. Lord, I know that there are many right now in desperate situations with their family, desperate situations physically, either for them or their wife. I know, Lord, there are people who desperately need you now, Jesus. Cause them to cry out to you. Cause them to humble their heart before you, to repent of all sin, to humble their heart before you, and make a decision that they will serve you all the rest of the days of their life, that they will not turn away from you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I'm asking for a healing ministry to break out in America. I'm asking for revival to break out in America. Lord, I'm asking you to give men and women the power to cast out the demons, to touch the broken bones and restore them. But, Lord, not the kundalini spirit of the, of the drunk in the spirit, not the foolishness. Lord, I'm asking for the men and women who are willing to be sober-minded and and repent of their wicked hearts. Lord, I'm not asking for signs and wonders that do not associate themselves with great crying out in repentance before you with tears. I'm asking that you would bring men and women who don't want to play games with you or the devil but who are willing to get washed in the blood, who are willing to give everything up for the sound of the gospel of my Lord Jesus. Lord, would you come now? Majestic Lord, Redeemer God, I'm asking for the healing of my body. I'm asking for the opening of revival. 
And I'm asking for the gifts of the Spirit to be poured out that men and women would turn to you with all of their hearts and get washed by the blood and get made clean. Lord, would you come now? I just speak in the name of Jesus to every person listening whose wife or husband is sick, whose children are sick, who need redemption, who need the word of God to come to them and say, rise up. I'm asking for the healing of your spirit, Jesus. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening today. I hope it's inspired you that you will cry out to God until he answers, that you will not grow weary, that you will cry out. I'm in the I'm in the fourth month of crying out to God. Some have said, Pastor, your broken hip has caused you to preach differently. Okay? I'm coming and speaking the straightest word of God. I can speak to you. It's not time for fun and games. It's time to say it and say it right. So there we are. I'd love to hear from you. I thank Tom and his precious wife up in Michigan for their faithful giving. And you can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195. Again, it's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, some people don't like it that I invite you to give, but I believe that giving is a key part of what God wants us to do in this last day to support the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what this is, unapologetically. And I thank William and Dirk for jumping on and for giving and many others of you. David, Rodney, You can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. I also invite you to come on Sunday. I'd love to see you. I know that some of you have considered coming. You've told me you've considered coming. And then backed away, you were afraid. I tell you, you will find a people here who will not judge you, who will love you. But don't come if you don't want the truth. Don't come if you don't want the truth.
If you're hungry for the truth of God, and you're hungry for that truth to be applied directly to your life, then I invite you to come. Lord, we don't have but a minute left in our broadcast today. I want to thank you for for the way your Holy Spirit has moved in this broadcast. You've been here in the studio right with me. You've been heavy upon me. I thank you, Jesus, for giving me the words that I have spoken. They were not my words. They were your words. And I pray now, O Holy Spirit, will you finish the work in the hearts and lives of people who have listened? And would you hear the cry of your people as they cry out to you and seek your face? Mighty God, I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm crying out to God for healing. I'm also crying out for healing for many of you. We need Jesus to return the healing ministry to the church. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.